So I've been doing a series on the book of Jonah, starting like two months ago. Um, for you that are here, you are here at the last sermon <laughs> about the Jew- book of Jonah. And if you are interested, all my sermons are online. You just go to our YouTube channel, um, Church of the Lakes Orlando. There's another Church of the Lakes somewhere north. Uh, but um, Church of the Lakes Orlando and all the sermons are there if you are interested in discovering more about this amazing story of Jonah and what happened with him. But before we continue, let us pray. We come to you this morning as our Lord and our God, and we bow before you. Because that's what we need to do if we understand who God is. You are the God, a God that needs to be worshipped and recognized. You are the God that should be accommodated in who we are and what we do. But because we can't see you and we can't feel or touch you, it's very easy for us to forget about you. To go through our normal daily program without ever thinking about who we are and why we are here until death stares us in the eye. And that's when a lot of people try to find you. Then they start to seek your face. But you want us, O Lord, to know you now, not at the end, because you tell us that you want to be involved in our life to help us, to comfort us, to direct our living, to embrace us with who you are and what you do. And we are sorry that we many times forget about you. But thank you, Lord, for nature out there that reminds us of your love and grace and your your mightiness and your power, but also thank you, Lord, for churches like ours that wants to introduce and remind people again of the love and grace of God. As we're going to look at this section in the Bible today, I pray, O Lord, that these words that came from the Word and from me today will be of meaning to all of us who are in attendance here. Please do the work in our lives that you as God wants to do and need to do. We ask this in your name, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I threw all my toys out of my playpen, she said. And she's 40 plus. I I said, and so, well, I ripped into him, she said. I gave him a piece of my mind. I hope there's some piece left, I wondered. Is he still alive? I asked. She said, oh yeah, well he is, but if words could kill, he would probably not be doing that well. The tantrum. We know it so well. You know, we've got these little ones now in our lives, and um, you don't need to teach a child to throw a tantrum, isn't it? You know, they are so cute and so whatever, and then one day they just flop on their backs and look like a penguin that fell over. You know, their arms flail and they kick their legs and they just do not want to move because you are asking of them to do something they do not want to do do, or they want to do something that you do not want them to do. The tantrum. And it seems to me it never really goes away, does it? We just change our behavior a little bit. We don't fall on the ground anymore. But we sort of act a little bit the same on the inside. Today we're going to discover Jonah's tantrum. So let's go and read this in the Bible. 
When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. I preached about that two weeks ago, so not today. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city, sat down east of the city, and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in its shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give him shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> hey, this Jonah. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. <laughs> then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow, it came into being in a night and perished in a night. And I should not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left, and many other animals. This is the word of our Lord. We live in a world filled with angry people, isn't it? <laughs> Go on the I-4, you will find one. <laughs> we are surrounded by people that are angry in many different ways. And today, now let me say this. You know, to make a sermon only about anger, and anger management will take me um, two Sundays to get through this. Today it's more focused on Jonah's anger, but I will say a few things that I will think will be helpful to all of us. If you look at anger, there are two things that, for my sermon for today, that makes people angry. The one is the general stuff. People are angry at this world. You know, I've had so many people who would say to me, I'm angry. Why are you angry? I'm angry at this world. Why are you angry at this world? Because this world is just horrible to live in. The streets are dirty. You know, the politicians are crazy. They are corrupt. You know, I can't want to hear anything about COVID anymore. I don't want to hear about masks anymore. I don't want to hear about this anymore. All of these things make people extremely angry. You know, I read some statistics that um, in the first four months of this year, more people were thrown off planes because of their bad behavior than in the last five years. Because people are angry. Why do you want to get in a fight about a mask? But people would fight and be thrown off the plane because of a mask. Well, whatever. All this general stuff that makes people upset. That's true for me also. Sometimes I turn on the TV and say to my wife, look at what the world is doing, you know. Then there's specific anger. Those are the things that, the first one you can't do that much about. You know, it's stuff that really touches your life, but 
but you can't really change it immediately because it's what's going on in the world around us that makes you upset. The second one is more where you can have a little bit more control. So I'm angry at my spouse. I'm angry at my parents. I'm angry at my children. I'm angry at my neighbor because they are doing something that drives me nuts. I'm angry at a specific person that I work with that is doing stuff, a boss of mine or whatever, co-worker, whatever. So there's a person there that's making me angry, and I'm frustrated because I can't really control this person and the control that this person actually didn't have, have over me. Jonah has a similar problem. He's angry at the world. The world in that day of age was controlled by the Ninevites, by the Syrians. The Syrians were really a bad lot of people. They were, they were sort of controlling the known world at that point, and they were doing it with, with terror. Uh, they killed a lot of people, and, and they destroyed a lot of cities, and they removed a lot of freedoms from a lot of people. And, and the Jews knew they were in trouble in Israel because the Syrians were constantly on their borders. You know, they already started to mix with the northern kingdom, and now they are here at the southern kingdom. So, so they know they are sort of in trouble, and, and, and Jonah hates this lot. He looks at them and he says, well, they are not God-believing. They are just horrible in what they do. I don't want them to be around. I just hope they all, with respect, go to hell. That's what he wants. How many times in my life and your life have we looked at someone and said, you know, maybe they should just go to hell. We sometimes say this. I hope you go to hell. That's how Jonah felt about this lot. Couldn't do much about it. The Ninevites were a very strong country. Huge armies. But now he's angry at God, specifically. You, you see, he, he thought God was going to be on his side. He thought God was going to think the way that he thinks. He thought that God is going to look at the Ninevites or the Syrians in the same way that he as Jonah looks at them. Hey God, but I believe in you. You are the God of Israel. You are the God of our people. So he took ownership of God and he said, well, God, you can't give them the gracious and the kindness or the grace and the kindness that you give us. So, so, so you're on my side and I want you to look at this world the way that I look at it and, you want, and I want you to condemn the world in the way that I would like them to condemn, be condemned. And because God didn't do it and the... Uh, actually then failed Jonah's expectation of him. He got extremely angry with God. Extremely angry. So, what did he do? What we do. When you're angry, you walk away. That's what he did. When God told him the first time, you need to go down to Nineveh and do what I want you to do there, he said, I'm not going there. I don't like what you want me to do, so he walked away. He walked away from the face of God because that's what, that is what he was trying to do. He was immediately angry. This is the most hurtful and harmful thing I think that people can do in a relationship. To try to walk away. When there's an unresolved issue. I do a lot of counseling, you guys know this. In my many years of counseling and sitting, working with people with relationship issues, that's the most difficult thing. It's when there's a conflict between two people. There's an unresolved issue. There's an expectation not met. And the other person that feels injured walks away, slams the door, or just becomes completely quiet. 
That silent treatment that lasts for a week or for four or five days where I just won't even look at the person because of something that that person might have done to cause me harm because that person isn't seeing the life that I would, seeing life in the way that I would like it to be seen. That's what Jonah did. That's what we do many times when we have an unresolved expectation. We punish the other one by thinking we can fling, we can flee away or walk away from that person. The second thing that Jonah did is he became um, the victim. He, he, said, he sat there and the Lord said to him, what's going on with you? Jonah said, I want to die. <laughs> the Lord said, why? I want to die. Because you are not giving me what I want. The tantrum. Now he's blaming God for being good, for righteous, for gracious. He's blaming God for not getting angry because he's angry. He's now the one that is sort of throwing this huge pity party. Because you're not giving me what I want now, you know, you are to blame for everything. And this is what you find many times when there's a conflict, with, conflict between people, that there's this projection. That everything that is supposed to be what I should accept on my end are now pro project away from me to the other person. You are the one that did this. You are blamed for this. You are this. And why do we do this? Because attack is the best way of defense. So in a sense, Jonah is attacking God. He's attacking God's character. He's attacking who God is. Because if you continue to attack, then you do not need to look at yourself ever. So what does God do? What's very interesting in this thing is that Jonah really attacks the person of God. Um, if, you, if you read what I read there a moment ago, he says to God, you know, I knew that you are gracious, that you don't get angry, that you are uh, uh, going to give these guys life and you're going to do all of these things. And they, uh, these are all extremely positive things. But he's coming after God's person. He's attacking the goodness of God. To satisfy himself. To protect himself for his world view. In the world that we now live, we've got so many people that attack God for who God is because I want God to change, because I want God to be who I am. I want God to see the world that I see the world. I want God to be in line with my understanding of how this world should operate. And God should punish those guys because I don't like them and how can you give them grace? What we discover here is, and that's what I'm saying in my slide, Jonah's narcissistic behavior. That's one thing that all of us get born with. You never need to teach a child how to be naughty, isn't it? You don't need to teach a child to be selfish. <laughs> they grab and they hold mine, and they don't want to share and all this stuff. It's just part of being young. It seems to me it's part of our core to really protect ourselves and take for ourselves and just Live for ourselves. The problem is if we don't get this under control, then we become intolerable to people close to us. I've got countless of people that walk into my office and say, I think I'm married to a narcissist. And I would say, why would you say this? And they would say, because this person that I'm involved with never sees me. Never sees me. 
has no idea who I am and what I'm trying to do in this relationship or in this family. And this person is always busy with him or herself, blaming the world for everything that's going wrong, blaming me for everything that goes wrong, and never takes any responsibility. That's what Jonah did with God. That's exactly what he did with God. What is God's response? Jonah, is it right to be angry? You know, I've, I've taught this to lots and lots of groups and people in my life where I say to them, you know, if anything happens in any relationship, ever, anything that bugs you, irritates you, or concerns you, never make a statement. Always ask a question. But don't answer the question. Because that's what we do. What's wrong with you? Are you mad again? You know, you're always mad at... So we're answering the question. We don't give the other person an opportunity to say what he or she actually is experiencing at that moment. moment. Because I've already decided, so I am asking a question, but I'm answering my own question. A, a gazillion years ago, th th there was someone in our church in South Africa where I'm from. Uh, we were four pastors, and I preached on a Sunday, and we had 2,700 members. So we had in one service 1,000 people. And then we had another service with six or 700 people. And I heard on that Monday that the guy was really angry about something that happened at church. He stormed into our church office and yelled and cussed, and I do not know what. And they called me and said, this guy's upset. I said, I do not know this guy because we have a big, big congregation. So eventually I found out where he lived. And I went to his house, and I knocked on the door, and he opened the door, and I looked at him, looked at him and I said, I'm sorry. He said, for what? I said, I have no idea. But I'm sorry, because I know you're upset. Help me understand. I didn't say a word about what he said about the pastors in our church, in that church office. That would not be helpful at this point. Help me understand. Then the story came out about a brother of his that had an injury, was in a different church, wasn't really helped. And oh, it's a story. He was more mad at God and at the church than at us. But I didn't know that. And then the story came out. He started to weep. This guy became a committed Christian in our church, involved with everything, because for the first time he felt that somebody saw him. Not that I'm just great. I learned this stuff. So maybe when you're at work and somebody makes you really angry, before you respond, maybe you should ask a question. Help me understand what happened to you. Maybe if your spouse or your children or your parents drive you nuts and you, and you want to, you, you know, Tantrum. God asked a question. Okay, 11, 12. That's the time now. You are concerned about the bush for which did not labor, which you did not grow. It came into being a night, perished in the night. Whatever, all of this, you read this, the object lesson. So, Jonah sitting outside, God gives him a bush. Jonah, and it says, he's happy. He's so narcissistic. You know, now I've got my bush. Yay, cool, cool. God takes the bush away. Let me die. <laughs> Again, he's ready to die. He's really stupid, with respect. So what do we learn out of this thing? There's good anger and there's bad anger. You know, the Lord got upset about what was going on in the temple, and he 
cleared the temple out with what they were doing because it was righteous. They, they were causing God's kingdom harm. It's okay to get angry about stuff that is really wrong and harming people and hurting people and hurting the kingdom of God. But what does the Bible teach us about anger? If you get angry, do not sin. There it is. And then Paul also says, and do not let the sun go down over your anger. That means that I can't punish someone with a silent treatment for two days or a week or whatever. If I've got a problem with you, with me, we need to talk it out. We need to sit and say, hey man, what is going on? And keep your mouth shut and listen for a moment what the other person is saying. And there's bad anger. Bad anger is when I do not really have the right to be angry. I'm just angry because I'm a person. That's why I need to control myself. That's why I need to look at myself because that is what the living Lord was teaching Jonah in this object lesson. He said to him, Jonah, here you sit. You're angry about all of those folks that's going to die because you don't like them. And now I give you a tree and you're happy about your tree that I'm saving you, but you don't allow me to save others. It's all about you, Jonah. It's all about you. And when I take the tree away, then you want to die you wanted them to die, now you want to die, so what are you trying to do here? Don't you trying to tell me that I am, that's now Jonah, the most important person in your kingdom. And then God comes and he says to them, or to him, I'm God. I'm God. And you are not. And Jonah, you will need to learn to look at life through my eyes a little bit. My final slide. No, is it? I think so, yeah. My final slide. To look at life through my eyes. Your most powerful testimony is how you treat others after the church service is over. It's not yet over. Soon. <laughs> Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What the living Lord is teaching Jonah here, he says, Jonah, I want you to look at the world through my eyes. What the living Lord is teaching you and me here today is that enemy of yours in your family, in your workspace, wherever you operate, is mainly the person mainly that God wants to save. That's why you're a part of that person's life. God sent Jonah, who hated the Ninevites or the Assyrians, to that city to go and tell them that God wants to save them if they would just turn their lives around. And many times I've asked myself in my life, why are we surrounded by all of these weird, strange people? And I realize I'm surrounded by them because I am their only hope. Because God has given me His gospel to share with them. If I'm silent, I'm actually not doing what God is asking of me to do because I'm looking at them in the way that I want to look at them, not in the way that God is looking at them. What God is asking of us is to, when I wake up in the morning, and I look at my family or my spouse, or I look at my neighbors, or I look at the people that I'm going to face today as I'm going to work, to for a moment not think only about myself, about all the hurt and the wrong and the harm that they've caused me, but for a moment look at those people as an object lesson, as people that God brought into my life. And God gave us my tree, that's my house that I can live in. God gave me a car, that's my tree that I can sit in when the sun shines down. God can take it away, all of this. But God gives us our houses and our cars and everything we have. He says, because I'm God, I want to give this to you. All I ask of you, look at the world 
in the way that I would like you to look at it. Forget yourself and look at God. Amen.